0: chapter 1. How many of you are awake this afternoon, ready to get something from God? How many of you are totally asleep, you're out of it, but you're here anyway, hoping that maybe, yes, I get it. All three of you? My goodness, this is for y'all tonight. They said they're just here. I don't know. I would think that these teenagers would have the most energy of all of us. Yeah, well, that's the way it works sometimes. 1 Timothy 1, I want to read verse number 6 again. I want to read a couple of other verses. We read from the hand of Paul this morning. Paul wrote the book of Romans, which I preached from this morning. But Paul also wrote First and 2 Timothy. And this was to a young preacher. His Greek name was Timotheus. Of course, the English version of that is Timothy. He was a young, fatherless boy. Uh, we're not sure what happened to his father, but he was raised by his mother and his grandmother, They were godly, devout women. Uh, there's, There's no mention of a father in his life. So Paul became his spiritual father. And when he, at a young age, surrendered to preach, Paul took him under his wing and became his mentor. And so we see that he traveled with Paul, he trained under Paul, and Paul took a direct interest in him. Now, a lot of what we're getting to read here in First and Second Timothy is the work of a mentor or a teacher trying to help a young student of the Bible get ready for the responsibilities that he will soon incur as he does the work of God. Now, Timothy is going to end up being a great man of God. He's going to end up being a preacher. And in that first century, when Christianity was just getting started, Timothy was uh, on board, and he was able to do a lot of work for God during that exciting yet perilous time. And so Timothy instructs him in the ways of the preacher. First and second Timothy and Titus are, you know how you have the Bible, there's the Pentateuch and there's the Gospels and and you have different, uh, you know, the epistles. Well, first and second Timothy and Titus are called the pastoral epistles. And often when you're training for the ministry, you will be really just thrown into first and second Timothy and of course the book of Titus. Titus being another preacher boy, that Timothy uh, mentored and helped him get ready to pastor. So this whole thing is about getting a young student ready to one day become a leader themselves. So there's a lot of great nuggets of wisdom that can be used. Now, students in the room, all of you that are students, whether you like it or not, whether you're excited about it or not, school is starting. And I want to remind you, I've said this a 100 times, as a man who has ran schools for much of his life, much of his adult life, in fact, This will be the first August since I was four years old that I was not either going to school myself or preparing to work in a school. So I am gonna be 48 in a couple of weeks. That means for 44 years, I have either gone to school in August or I have been prepared to teach or to work in some capacity in the academic realm. So I do feel that gives me somewhat of of some expertise in in the topic of education And I've worked with literally hundreds and hundreds of young people. I've even taught in the college realm. I've taught four years at the Harvest Baptist College here in Orlando and had many preacher boys that were were in those classes. So I've taught from every angle. I want to say this statement. Young people, listen to me carefully. And I know you hate school. Some of you like the social aspects of it. I know around here, Baptist Temple Prep, a lot of the kids loved seeing each other and they loved the sports and they loved that aspect of it but they did not get that excited about the learning aspect of it. and You guys know I taught all three of you. There were many, 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 many Monday mornings and Wednesday mornings where I showed up for history, and y'all were less than enthusiastic. Now, tell me I'm wrong. I was right, wasn't I? Yes, you, sometimes I come in here, and buddy, it looked like a funeral. They looked like death warmed over. They'd look at me like if I, if I could just poison you I would that's how much they were angry about learning and I'd make them learn and I'd come in here try to be all excited about history and then of course I can't even imagine what the poor math teachers dealt with if if y'all got that depressed over history I can only imagine what math and English did to you but in any case many of our students they hated the learning process they hated class they hated homework they hated you know having to read and having to write Abby are you excited about reading and writing and arithmetic do those things make you excited no but you're going to be doing a lot of it, aren't you? Well, you know what? Here's the reality. Sometimes kids view school with a very negative uh, connotation. And When I was a boy, we used, to write school, we used to write songs about the school. I don't know where these songs originated. I don't know. I learned them from the older kids and uh, got a couple of spankings for singing them, but, but I remember singing songs about the school burning down. Did you all ever sing songs about that stuff? We'd take songs, you know, uh, you know, my eyes have seen the glory of the burning of the school. We've tortured every teacher, we've broken every rule. I mean, man, we'd sing that like an anthem, and all of us guys would join arms. And somehow the teachers did not appreciate it. Of course, this was back before kids were actually doing these things, this was back when it was all hypothetical. But, but I remember, uh, writing songs. Brother Eddie, you didn't sing the songs about burning down the school, nothing like that? On top of old Smokey, nothing like that? Yeah, we used to do all that stuff. And, uh, I found the teachers discouraged, those kind of songs, but, but we did not like the academic part of it. In fact, often I remember distinctly feeling that the teachers were my enemies, that they were there to keep me from having fun and to keep me from enjoying life. They just didn't understand that I was a very busy person. They didn't understand that I had social obligations, that there were people that requ- required my presence for them to have parties and to have things that were fun. I needed to be there. I couldn't be at home on a Friday night writing a paper If I did that, there would be people out there not having fun, not having the joy in life. And I remember really thinking that they were there to impede my ability to enjoy life. And I remember thinking that they didn't have a life of their own and that they sat in a room and just thought of ways to make my life miserable. And I remember literally having discussions about certain teachers, you know. If they had a life of their own, they wouldn't want us at home reading all the time. If they had life, if they had anything going on. I'm, I'm not the only one that's ever thought this. Have any of you ever thought this? You thought this. Did you girls ever think this? If those teachers had a life of their own, they wouldn't be sitting around thinking of ways to make us work. Did you ever think that? Did you ever think that? You didn't think it about me, did you? Shaylee? Listen, it's not too late for me to go in there and get your file out and change, change some things, you know. So you better be nice. Amen. Better be nice to me. Well, I, I do remember thinking that a lot of them just were... were torturous and mean, but you know, this is this is a statement that I've made before, and I want you guys to write this down somewhere. I don't want you to ever forget it. And this is the statement. This is it. You ready? Education is a preparation, not a punishment. I used to say that all the time around Baptist Temple Prep. You've heard me say that, haven't you, Miss Cassie? You've heard me say it a um, hundred times, but I've said it once. I've said it at teachers' meetings and Beginning of the school year, I remind our students, we are not your enemy. We're not here to hurt you. We are here to do the opposite. We are here to help you. Wisdom is the principal thing. We'll look at a scripture in a minute that states this. You've got the habit to make a life. If you lack wisdom and you lack knowledge, you will struggle your entire life. We don't want you to struggle. Your parents don't want you to struggle. So, therefore, things called schools have been invented to help you gain wisdom, and knowledge. It was not intended to be a punishment on you, nor was it intended to be something that brought misery or sadness. It was intended to help you have good lives. So what was the statement I just made? Say it with me. Education. How many of you that are adults now feel that you are better off because you got an education? Better off. Angelica, you feel you're better off. Now, you attended Baptist Temple School for years and then went on to... Which which public school did you graduate from? Okay, so you went over to Winter Garden, Calvary. I, I knew uh, Pastor Limp very well. Um, so you went over there. Do you feel those people have helped you? Do, you? do you think of things today that you learned there that help you today? For instance, you probably have to balance a checking account, don't you? You probably have to do math when you do that. Now, one of the biggest arguments I'll hear kids say is, I can't imagine in any circumstance that I'll ever have to use math. I doubt a day goes by that you manage your home and your bank accounts and all the things you've got to do, that you don't have to use some math, calculating. Uh, it's, it's very important. And thank goodness somebody taught you some things about economics. Um, I don't know. There's all kinds of things. Coach, you, you, you work with kids for a living. Do you ever find yourself quoting to the students that you have now? things that your teacher said to you? And, and a lot of you've quoted that statement, haven't you? The preparation, not a punishment. The reality is, all of us benefit the rest of our lives from these years that we spend as students. Now, students, remember this. There's a reason that you go to school first and then you have your life second. You are born... And i don't mean this to be to be mean i'm not trying to be funny but you're born with a with your mind being pretty blank there's just not a lot going on up there there's a lot of interest little kids if you ever watch a little baby you watch a little babies sitting there their eyes are going all over the room and you'll see their eyes get big and, and you know things that we look at and don't even notice those are those are magnificent discoveries to a little infant or a toddler i remember watching our kids when they were in their baby seats and their eyes would just be going all over the room and and, and, and things would happen, you'd see their eyes get big, they're learning. Every second that a child is awake, they're learning something new. Every day there's a new experience, and God gave you a brain at that age. It's pretty blank, and there's nothing in it, but you're, you're programming your brain. And in those early years, the ability to learn is much greater than it is as you get older. Mind gets slower. How many of you have ever worked on a computer that's very slow and sluggish? What do you know about that computer, Brother Xavier? If it's slow and sluggish, what do you, what do you, what do you assume about the computer you're working on? It's old, just an older computer. Sometimes it's older, sometimes it's got way, it's just got a lot of files in it. Sometimes you have to go through and remove stuff to speed it up a little bit or defrag it, all those things that we do. Well, our minds is just a big, huge computer, and we have to program it. And God has designed you that when you're young, you learn easily. You're never going to learn better than you do at this age. And so you're, you're now learning and you're building uh, uh, things that you will use the rest of your life. You will spend the first you know, three to four years just getting to be a kid Aren't those great years? Mom and dad take care of everything and man, you get to just be at home in a lot of cases. And and some kids may go to daycare but when you go to daycare, let's face it, a lot of times it's about eating cookies and coloring and finger painting and having a lot of fun. Amen? I remember playing a lot in the daycare and in the preschool but then it gets into that really hard time of of learning starting at about K4 or K5. You start actually having to learn things and tests and deadlines and and paperwork but, but all of that is stuff that that is being programmed into your mind for you to be able to use later on. It's not meant to be a punishment to you. It's not meant to wreck your life. It's meant to prepare your life. It is to prepare you for all the challenges that lie ahead. Every topic you are taught is going to play a role in helping you be a rounded off, complete person. Now, if you go to a Christian school, you're going to be taught Bible classes. That's very important. You need to know the Word of God. That is the the base of all wisdom and knowledge. Uh, you're going to learn math. Whether you're in a public school or a private school, you're going to learn math. Math is the ability to reason. It's not just, not just not just, numbers. When you learn and you master math, you learn how to solve problems. Now, adults in the room, how many of you ever have to solve any problems in your life? Now, wouldn't it be nice if you could just sit down with a calculator and solve those problems? It's not that way, but you learned how to reason, you learned how to think, you learned how to deduct, you learned how to look at something and deduct the right answer. Math is designed to not just be about balancing checkbooks or about how to count one to ten, it is about developing a part of your brain that teaches you how to reason and get through life. There's a lot of problem solving that is involved with being an adult. We solve problems every day, problems in our life, big problems, huge problems, like do I go to Wendy's or do I go to Burger King? Sometimes math comes into play. One's got the four for four while the other has the dollar menu. Sometimes I have to use math to decide which one I go to. Who's ever been there with me? You know what I'm talking about. Well, anyway, there's a lot of problem solving. Now, sometimes you wouldn't think that having a good marriage has anything to do with being able to perform algebra, but people that learn how to solve life's problems will have Uh, better better marriages. They'll have better finances. They'll have better reasoning skills. They'll often have better communicative skills. They'll often be able to to reason in an argument a little better than a person who has no common sense when it comes to reasoning. Math, believe it or not, develops those things in your brain. So when you look at your teacher and you say, well, I just can't imagine ever using this algebra. Well, if you're going to get married, you're going to use principles. If you're going to Uh, do all kinds of things. Now, listen, some of you end up in jobs where math's very important. Brother Gary, you worked in jobs where you had to do math figures in your head all the time, working for the union. You had to know fractions, and you had to know measurements, and you had to understand certain math things that, that literally you used every day. Brother Dominic, you work in a world where you have to understand some basic math principles. Now, when you were at Baptist Temple School in your youth, you probably never dreamed you'd ever have to use that, did you? Look at you now. Aren't you glad that we pounded it into you? Made you learn it? Made you study? The reality is you're being taught that. You think, well, what do I need science for? Again, science, it helps you understand a lot of things uh, uh, that, that will help you uh, be a, just an a all-around rounded-off person. Uh, there's, you know, it's good to know chemicals. Keep from blowing your house up. Amen? You know, there's household chemicals that if you mix them together, You can kill yourself. You can create poison. You can kill one of your children. Some people don't do that because basic science principles taught them some things that make them safer people. I mean, look, I could just keep going and going. I think you get the point. If you get the point, say amen. You know, I'm going to tell you something. English was one of my least favorite topics, but I use English probably more than I do any topic. As a preacher, English, writing, composition... You know what I pretty much spend most of my time doing? I know you probably think he probably spends most of his time soul winning. I wish that were the case. He probably spends most of his time preaching. Man, I love preaching. Preaching is the best part of being a preacher. I love it. That's not what I spend most of my time doing. You know what I spend most of my time doing? Writing. Writing. Writing sermons. Writing Sunday school lessons. Writing letters. Writing emails. Writing texts. I spend a lot of time when I do talk. I have to use proper... Did you know young people, people will think you're ignorant if you don't use proper English? They will think automatically in dealing with you. If you don't know how to speak right, they're going to feel that they have an upper hand on you. And many times it will lead to abuse, bullying. It will lead to a perceived notion that you're not very smart. English does a lot just to help you have a good... Confidence about yourself. Learning how to speak right, learning how to talk right is impressive to people. You walk into a business meeting one day and you're trying to get a job and you sit in front of a boss and you're butchering the queen's English. Then the person that comes in behind you who may have half half of the, the intellect that you have but knows how to talk correctly, what is that old saying about first impressions? They're the lasting impressions. You know, a lot of people are considered not that intelligent just because of the way they talk when it really isn't that they're, they may be very intelligent. It's just that people sometimes are holding the key to your future opportunity, and all they know is, is you can't even hardly half speak. Am I right? And it can knock you out of a good job opportunity, and it doesn't matter that you've got all these degrees and diplomas. Right off the bat, they will figure that you are not very Intelligent. That's just because of the way you talk. Now, it may not be fair, but that is life. It's just the way it is, and that's how people will sometimes judge the book by its color. So if that is true, if that be the case, it is true, you better learn some English. And that teacher teaching you English may be helping you land a dream job one day simply because you're able to go into an interview and appear to be very educated. You can express yourself. There may be people smarter than you that cannot express themselves. Don't ever resent that English teacher. They're helping you one day have a great future. It's a preparation, not a punishment. Now, let me give you this, and I'll be done. Let's look at these three verses here. First Timothy 1. Are you there? Say amen. Verse 6. Wherefore, I put thee in remembrance that thou stir up the gift of God which is in thee by the putting on of my hands. Now, he's speaking, of course, of a spiritual gift, but we know that it still applies to this. I want you to underline these two words stir up stir up All right. now let's look at another verse look at chapter 2 actually let's look at verse 1 verse chapter 1 verse 13 hold fast the form of sound words which thou hast heard of me now Paul is his teacher so he's saying Timothy hold fast hold on to don't let go don't forget hold on hold fast if you have your pen underline the two words, hold fast. So I've had you underline four words. What were the first two? Stir up. What were the second two? Hold fast. Now we're going to go over here to a word that y'all hate, but it's in chapter 2. Students, you hate this word, but it's an important word. Chapter 2, look at verse 15. Study to show thyself approved unto God, a workman that needeth not to be ashamed. Rightly dividing the word of truth. Now, that's an important scripture for the student of the Bible, the preacher, the man who's going to stand behind a pulpit. We need to know the word of God so that we correctly teach the word of God, so that we rightly divide the word of truth. But listen, in your life as a student, this is an important verse to you as well. If you have your pen, underline the word study. So I had you underline five words. What were the first two? Stir up. Say it loud and proud, everybody. Stir up. Thank you, Joshua. He's listening. Look at him. By the way, I'm going to tell you something. Joshua does a good job. He sits in church week after week, and I'm so proud of him. A lot of little kids his age couldn't sit in church pretty good. He does so good. But you know what? I remember as a little boy being his age, I still remember things that my dad taught and my Sunday school teacher taught. Don't ever think that these young ones aren't getting it. There's a lot caught as much as there is taught. They're in this environment, and they're growing up, seeing people who love the Lord and watching you sing and watching you praise the Lord. These kids are watching, and they're learning. And I'm so proud of that. I'm so glad that we have some children in our church. Now, listen. There was stir up. What was the second one? Hold fast. And what was the fifth one? Study. Now, let's look at these things quickly. First of all, we are to stir up the gift. We all have gifts or talents, if you will, from God that are for two purposes. Who can give me those two purposes? Why would God give you gifts or talents? And we don't, we all have a diversity of gifts. I mean, Mikey's gifts are different from Brother Xavier's, and Brother Xavier's are different from Brother Dominic's, but you all have talents. Brother Xavier plays guitar, and he's very talented, and he played piano. Brother Dominic, though, in uh, in, in his talents, Brother Dominic knows how to fix things, and he knows how to work on things. We've called him many times. and He's climbed up in here in the ceiling. I've looked at Brother Xavier, and I said, do you want to go up there? And he's like, no, do you? And I said, no, let's call Brother Dominic. Brother Dominic loves to crawl in places like that, but, you know, the honest truth is, and I'm pretty fairly educated. I've been in school. I spent 12 years in college. I was just trying to get my four-year degree. But, anyway, we won't go into that. Now, I spent 12 years in college. I earned three degrees. But I'm going to tell you something. You know why I call Brother Dominic? It's not because he's able to get up in there. I can get up in there. I may not be able to get down, but I can get up there. I don't know what to do once I'm there. I don't know how to fix some of these things brother Gary I've called you many times God has given you the talent and ability to be able to look at things and problem-solve and fix it whereas I look at it and I, I don't know even where to begin it's not where I had any training it's not where I have any understanding some people have a mechanical mind and they can take things apart I can take things apart but when I put it back together there's always extra parts I don't know how that works but it does but Brother Gary can literally just build stuff. Brother Dominic's come up here and he has fixed things, things that I'm scared to death to even, look, I don't even want to touch it. I mean, I see electric wires everywhere and and I'm I'm looking at it and horrified and I'll watch him, he'll get in there and just start grabbing this and that and fixing it. I'm thinking, man. And it's just good to see the diversity of talents that, that God gives to a church. God gives people talents and then God gives talented people to the work of God. Every one of you, God has given you a talent, and it's for two purposes. Now, based on that statement I just made, what do you reckon the first reason God gives you a talent, what would the first reason your talents exist for? Brother Brother Howard? To serve God. You are a very, very talented graphics art designer. You and I have created things that literally are all over the place. I was looking on Facebook the other day, and I saw a girl wearing a Soldiers of the Cross t-shirt. I drew it on a paper, you couldn't even tell what it was, and I handed it to you, and I said, Howard, what can you do with this? You came back later, and you had this awesome graphic art design, and we put it on a t-shirt for camp. Now I'm looking on Facebook, and I see a girl proudly wearing her shirt, and, and you know what? That's your talent displayed right there. And you've used it for God. Now remember, when you worked in that industry and you did it for a living, but all the way through, anytime I ever have ever needed graphic art design, I mean, I look around, I look at that big banner right there. I remember the day that you and I met in the office and I scratched out some stuff and I handed it to you. That B10 up there. Remember the day that I designed that for you and you went home and made it look, when I went on mine, it just was B, A, and a number 10. He came back with that. And you know what? You see that we benefit. It would cost us hundreds and hundreds of dollars. If I had to send that out every single time to a graphic art designer who is charging our church, Brother Howard's never charged us a dime. There's times I've given him some love offering money, maybe just a little support because he was up here all day. Maybe he came up on a Monday and spent the whole day working on multiple advertisement schemes. We're doing stuff all the time. But that's an example of God giving you an ability, and then, number one, you're using a portion of that ability for God. Young people, every one of you, look at me. Every one of you have abilities. Every one of you. All of you three young ladies, you have abilities. They're different abilities, but they're all abilities. I don't know what that ability will take you. One day it'll open up doors for you to be able to, to work and to have a job, but you've got to find a way to serve God with your talents. Zara, when you get up here and you play guitar and you sing, that's you basically tithing off the talent that God gave you. Now, I don't know. Maybe one day you'll be famous, and when you do, I expect you to write big type checks back here. Big type checks. Amen. Who's with me on that? I mean, you're very talented, and maybe one day you'll make it big and have a recording contract, and you'll, you may use that in that way, and it may end up you know, being something that helps you with the lifestyle. But it's you're doing right to use that ability for God. That is an example. God gives you talents. first thing you need to do is find a way To use that talent in the work and in the house of god if you have an ability to do something your church through the you're giving it to god through the house of god if you know how to fix a bus if our bus breaks down and you know how to mechanically work your church should never ever have to go pay a mechanic if you know how to do it that just ought to be an automatic thing we have a man that's been coming to our church named robert robert's done a lot of work on vehicles around here and, and he, just, he won't let us pay him anything. He just says, this is what I want to do for the Lord. He's got the right attitude. He's very good at fixing things. And he's looked at our buses and done some work on our, on our van. If you know how to do that, you shouldn't charge your church to do it. That ought to be part of you giving to the Lord. God gives you talents. You use that talent in the work of God. He gives people talents. He gives talented people to his work. And, and, and in, in the church, you ought to be constantly looking for ways to use your talent some people are talented cleaners. They just are better. They see the dirt. You know, some people don't know how to clean. Some people know how to clean. Man, a church looks big and span. Listen, you need to use your talents for God. What's the second reason though you'd have a talent, Brother Howard? Provide for yourself and your family. By the way, ninety percent of the time your talents are going to benefit you. Ninety percent of the time your talents are going to be used for you to work a job. To be able to do things that are important you need to stir up the gift we all have gifts or talents from God and they are there but they must be developed when it comes to developing your your talent remember these three things practice persistence and perspiration you've just got to stay with it you got you can't quit and you've got to just be willing to sweat to get better now you, you stir up the gift by doing these things. Number one, allowing yourself to have an education. Tomorrow, y'all are going into a place that is developed to stir up your talent, to stir it up, to bring it to the top. You need to allow mentorship and coaching, number two. Mentorship and coaching. Allow people the privilege to tell you how to do it better. Some people are too stubborn. Some people cannot be coached. Some people cannot be directed. They will not make it as far as the person who allows mentorship and coaching to stir up the gift. Number three, here's the best way to stir up the talent. Here's the number one way to stir up your talent. You ready for it? Abby, you ready for this? Use it. Use it. If you've got a talented voice for singing, the best way is to get up and sing. If you've got a talent for playing the guitar, let me tell you the best way to develop that talent. The best way to stir it up is play guitar. Get up here and play. Get up here with them and start playing. Amen? I'd love to see the day that we get another guitar player. Our guitar player ended up moving to Tennessee. We got some young men in the auditorium, though. Mikey, I'd love to see you one day up here playing. Remember when Brother Tony used to play? Man, he was really good. I enjoyed him. We need somebody else to get a guitar and get over here and play. You know what? That might be a ministry that God has in store for you. But let me tell you, it'll never happen if you don't stir up that gift. The best way to stir it up is to get that guitar out and play that thing. I mean, play it till you wear those strings out. Play it till your fingers hurt, but you just keep playing. Before you know it, you've mastered that thing. And man, I see guys that can hear a song one time. Brother Crook's that way. He can hear a song, and just immediately he knows what key it's in. He's literally reached over while I was playing and tuned my guitar up while we're in the middle of playing a song. This man has stirred up. Can you imagine the waste if Brother Crook had never stirred his musical talent? What if he had just never done anything with it? Thank goodness he, he did, and he's up here every Sunday. and Wednesday night, he's using that gift. That's an example of using that gift for God, but he also uses it to pay his bills. He works in the music industry. Listen to me. You've got to use that talent. Don't let it go to waste. So we see here, he says stir up the gift. Number two, he says hold fast. Hold fast. I had you underlined it. Hold fast. Remember your faith. Young people, listen to me. I beg of you. Listen to me. Listen to me. Look at me and focus for a minute. Do not let somebody cause you to lose your faith through the education world. You're going to have teachers that some of them don't believe in God. Now, some of them do. Whether it's a Christian school or a private school, you'll have teachers that believe in God and love God. But some of you will come up against professors that do not believe that there is a God. Some of them are going to try to tell you that you're the result of an accident and, and that basically it was some kind of explosion in space and that you're just an animal. You're nothing more than a monkey that's developed. Listen, that is not true. You were made by your heavenly Father. You're a one-of-a-kind creation. There's nobody else like you, Adriana. There is nobody else that has your fingerprint. You're the only one in all of history that has the fingerprints that you have. God made you special. You're loved by your Heavenly Father. You're not just some cosmic accident out there. Listen, do not let somebody get in there and question your beliefs. Question your belief in God. Question your belief in the Bible. Some of them will make it a challenge to, to get you to question your faith in God. Hold fast. Remember your faith. Don't let others destroy your belief in God or ruin your walk with God. Don't let the wrong crowd lead you away. Some of you are going into new schools this year. Listen to me, and listen to me carefully. I don't care where you're at. I had this talk with Savannah. She's going to a very well-known Bible college, and these are kids that are good kids going there, but you know what? That college, like any college, it has two crowds there. It has a crowd that wants to serve God, and it has a rebellious crowd, a crowd that's angry and mad, and just there because their parents made them go, and there will be kids that get involved in that crowd, and instead of leading them to having a joyful experience, that crowd will work against the experience that that college is trying to create. Many of those kids will end up expelled and they'll end up in trouble and they'll end up getting out of God's will. But like I've said before, you never, you never go down alone. You always take somebody out. There's always somebody you're influencing. Now, kids, listen to me. At the school you go to, whether it's a Christian school or a public school, there are going to be kids there that do drugs. There are going to be kids there that drink. There's going to be kids there that make a mockery of all things spiritual. There's going to be kids there that are rebellious and they're angry and, and they're going to you know, try their best to recruit you to their way of thinking and their way of living. Evil loves company. The Bible says that evil men work hard to have people that they pull along with them. And, and, and I don't have time to take you to those verses, but we know that they, they don't rest unless they cause someone to fall. Often, you're the human shield they hide behind. They get you to do it so they can say, well, even so-and-so was doing it. Listen, you've got to be careful of the crowds you make. You better hold fast. You've been taught in Sunday school. Some of you were taught here at Baptist Temple Prep, and we taught you to love the Lord, and we taught you to believe in God. Some of you may be going to schools where that is not going to be the prevalent way of thinking. You hold fast. You hold fast. You don't let them get in your head. You... You don't have to fight with them and be disrespectful, but you don't let them get in your heart. You don't let them get in your head. Abby, don't ever let them teach you that there's not a God. Now, if they want to believe that, that's up to them. But you hold fast that God is real and that God is good and that God's blessed your life. You hold fast. Don't let that wrong crowd lead you to do things that your preacher and your Sunday school teachers and your parents have taken this word and showed you that God's not going to bless. Young people, I'm going to tell you something. The the drug lifestyle is not a happy lifestyle. It will not lead you to prosperity. It will lead you to a lot of sadness, depression, bad decisions, lost opportunities, and lost time. It may even cut your life short. And I'm gonna tell you the number one reason why kids do drugs, because they are with kids who are doing drugs. Let me tell you the number one reason why kids become alcoholics, because they're with a crowd that gets them to drink alcohol. Most kids do not like the taste of alcohol. The first taste, it makes them sick, makes them want to throw up, The very smell of it is repulsive. Why do kids make themselves keep drinking it until they become addicted? Usually to impress or to fit in to a crowd that wants them to do it. Adults in the room, somebody back me up. Tell somebody I'm right. Some of you don't think you'll do it, but sometimes you'll do anything to be popular. I'm going to tell you something. You need to think about Daniel and Shadrach and and Meshach and Abednego and, and how they didn't bend to the crowd. And they stood. And, you know, in the end, they stood out. They stood out because they stood up. And they were, at the end, promoted. All the people who bent and bowed ended up working for them. You will get further in life by doing it God's way than doing it the wrong crowd's way. You better hold fast. Anybody out there this evening? Young people, it's that important. I've seen the wrong crowd destroy, destroy, destroy. Now listen to me. Listen to me carefully. Because I love you. I'm your preacher. If you're in the wrong crowd, you are the wrong crowd. If you're in the wrong crowd, you are the wrong crowd. You know, you go playing with the dogs, you're going to get fleas. Now, you say, how do I know the wrong crowd? This is very simple. When they try to get you to do wrong things. When they're trying to get you to sneak out. When they're trying to get you to doubt the things that you believe and stand on in this book. When they're trying to get you to sneak around. That's just not the right crowd. And I'm going to tell you, I've, just, I've been in this for so long, story after story, which I will not give you tonight, but the ones who learn to hold fast make something out of their life. There's literally thousands of kids that I know that are just nameless kids in, in school annual books. They've gone forward. They've done nothing with their life to brag about or to speak of. They, they've struggled making things work. Listen to me. It's those kids that hold fast. Stay in the will of God. Stay in the plan of God. Stay in the work of God. Stay in the house of God. Walk with God. Pray. Read your Bible. Hold fast. Don't let the education world and the things that surround it take away your faith. Now, lastly, I had you underline the word study. He said, study to show thyself approved. You know, listen, you need to learn, learn, learn. Gather wisdom, gather knowledge. Proverbs 4 says that wisdom is the principal thing, which means it is the most important thing. You've got to get it. Now, let me give you this quickly, and we're going to be done. Young people, these are some simple tips. I'm going to give you these things quickly. You you don't have to write them down. Just listen to me. I'm going to go too fast for you to write them, but just let let it sink here. Let it sink here. All right, School starting. Here's the reality. You need to go to bed at a decent time every night. Get some rest every night. You can stay up till 2 in the morning playing video games, but you're not going to be productive the next day. Some of you, your parents have strict bedtimes. We've made our kids go to bed during the school year, and they get mad and they fight it and they try everything. Adriana is the master, aren't you, Honey Boo? You're the master at trying to eke out that extra 30 minutes. She'll try everything from Daddy, I just want to snuggle with you for a minute. I haven't got to see you all day. I don't know what she's doing. She's trying to sneak in another 30 minutes, but we make them go to bed. I'll tell you why. They're more productive when they've had a little rest. Parents, get your kids to bed during the school year. Don't let them stay up all night. Set a reasonable bedtime. They're going to fight. They're going to fuss, but you make them do it. They will be better students. Number two, get up and eat breakfast every morning. Parents, do your best to have things for breakfast for your your children and kids. Get up in time that you're eating it and not eating it as you're running out the door. It's not good for your digestive system to eat that way. Don't wait. If you say, well, it takes me 30 minutes to get to school, and school starts at 8, if I get up at 7.15, I'll be all right. You know, I live by a two-hour rule. If I have to be somewhere, I'm two hours before I have to be there because I've learned the hard way. I don't like the life, the nervous. I don't like to start my day off completely and absolutely frazzled and stressed out. You ever notice no one's in a hurry when you're in a hurry? You ever notice that? Well, listen to me. Kids, you're not driving to school in most cases, but some of you are, but most of you are, but get up early enough that you can have a good breakfast. And I'm not saying a Snickers bar is a good breakfast or a fruit pie. Get a good good breakfast. Get something good, something with some protein in it. Studies have showed that eating eggs in the morning, it it has that protein, it's brain power, it's brain food. And And studies have showed that food like that is good. But get up and have a breakfast. It, you know, whatever, you know, fruit, whatever, even some cereals. Now, some cereals, parents, be aware, it's bad for them. It's, it's just 90% sugar. You've got to do some research. But and some kids don't work well on that. Now, I've ran a school a long time. I know a lot of our kids that had severe behavioral problems, a lot of that could be tracked to the breakfast they had every morning. They would come in wired. I'm talking you know they're drinking cokes and eating candy bars and fruit pies from donuts for breakfast they would come into school and just be literally uncontrollable some kids do not process sugar well and it gets a lot of kids are problem students but the problem is not the kids it's the diet mom and dad got them on Uh, and i believe that and i've worked in this long enough to know that i can back up what i'm saying some kids are just so hyper because they've had thousands of grams of sugar by eight o'clock in the morning Hey, get your kids on a good breakfast regimen, but feed them a good breakfast. Studies show they do better. Number three, be organized. Parents, help your kids be organized. Get them a good backpack. Get them notebooks for each class, and teach them to write notes and to write assignments down. You think you're going to remember when the teacher says, get this done by this date, then all of a sudden, you show up, and you've missed that deadline. Now you're going to get a lesser grade or a zero. Get organized. Parents, work hard to help your kids get organized. Students, find out what organizes you, but be organized. Number four, don't sit in the back if you have a choice. Don't sit in the back of the class, or don't sit with kids that distract you. You know, sit up in the front. You say, well, all the squares sit up front. Let me tell you who else is up front, people with jobs. And one day, that person that, you know, you, you made fun of is probably going to end up being your employer because they got an education, and they've sat up front, they work. Sit up there, don't get in the back of the classroom where everybody gets in trouble and goofs off and sleeps, Back of the line is not a good thing once you get in the workforce. Amen? Number five, have a morning devotion before school. Get up in enough time that you can read a few verses of the Bible and have a prayer. I don't mean you're gonna have a two-hour Bible study, but just get up and read a couple of Proverbs or read a little bit out of Psalms, just a few minutes before you end up getting ready. Like you're trying to get, well, on that morning when you get up, you gotta have a few minutes to get woke up. Sit down and just read you a couple of scripture verses and have a little morning prayer. Ask God to bless your day. It'll help you. It'll put, it's good for your soul. It's good for your spirit. You'll be off on the right foot. Number seven, study in segments with breaks in the middle. Don't try to sit down for two hours and study one task. Study for about 20 minutes. Go outside and do something. Come back, study for about 20 minutes. Break it up. Studies show that broke-up study segments are way more effective than jam study sessions. If you try to sit down and study something for two hours, you will have a brain overload, you will do worse. Do it in small segments. Has anybody ever found that to be true? Do it in small segments. 10 minutes, then go do something else. Try to memorize something, look at it for 10 minutes, then go shoot some baskets for a few minutes. Go play your guitar for a few minutes, or go do something, and then come back to it, study it a little more, break it up. You'll do better, trust me, just try it. Try it this way, you'll do better. Number eight, ask for help when you need it. Don't be embarrassed, don't be ashamed. And it's not just teachers that can help you. Sometimes you can look around the classroom and see fellow students that excel in those topics. If there's a kid that's a genius in math, then ask that student to help you. And you might form a very good friendship bond as well. But the reality is, sometimes everybody needs a little help. Sometimes everybody needs somebody to help them understand it. Don't have too much pride. Ask for help. Ask the teacher for extra help. Stay behind if you need to. The, 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 The The worries of having to stay behind is a lot better than having to worry about that report card coming in and having your parents grounding you and taking away your privileges or not being able to play sports. Ask for help when you need it. Number nine, care about it. A lot of kids don't care about their education. You got to care about it. You got to care about it. It will determine a lot of your direction and destiny later. Care about your grades. Care about it. The Bible says, Whatsoever thy hand findeth to do. What's the rest of the verse? Do it with all thy might. Be a good student. Care about your grades. A lot of that, your reputation will be wrapped up in it. And then the last thing on this is simply this. Make good friends. Make good friends in the schools you go to. Some of you are going to new schools. Make good friends. I already covered this. There's going to be a bad crowd in any school you go to. People are, well, it's a Christian school. Everybody should be good. My friend, do not, do not be naive. Some of the worst losers I've ever met are Christian school kids. I went to a Christian school from K, uh, K-4 all the way to 12th grade. You know, I was offered drugs. I was offered marijuana. I was offered alcohol. Offered physical things. You know what I'm saying? Christian school. They, they, teachers can't keep all that out. It's in the heart of man to do wrong. You've got to have a heart to do right because you're going to be surrounded by people who want to do wrong. Watch your friends. Make good friends. Make good friends. Friends, Bible says, "Iron sharpeneth iron." Make get a friend that makes you sharper, makes you better. You know, as I'm closing, I was looking at a glass of orange juice not long ago, and that glass of orange juice, the pulp was all settled to the bottom of the glass. It had sat in the fridge, the bottle of orange juice, and all of the pulp, which is the potent part of the orange juice. It's where all the flavor and all the nutrients. And you've got water, and you've got orange, and it's all mixed together. And that orange had sat there long enough that it settled to the very bottom. And so the very bottom was very thick, almost like a syrup, and it was all orange juice. And on top of it was like three or four inches inside the jug of just water, and it was kind of tinted. You could tell that orange juice had been in it at one time, but the potency of the orange juice had all settled to the bottom of the jug. Now, I remember one time as a boy, I drank some orange juice without stirring it up or shaking it, and I remember it was just like kind of just had like an orange, tiny little bit of orange flavor, but mainly it was just yucky-tasting, weak water. Who's ever had that happen to them? It can happen with chocolate milk, too. You've got to shake that stuff. Who's ever had a yoo oh, I love yu. I love it. One of my favorite things on the planet. But you've got to take that. unit, it says it right on it. Shake vigorously. And you've got to shake that stuff up. Why? Because that chocolate concentrate settles and separates. Well, the Bible tells us we've got to stir up that gift. You know, I learned as a young boy to take that jar and shake it or to take a spoon and stir that up so that the potency would be mixed in so that whenever I drank it, it was all mixed through it and the potency of the drink would be, would be right, the balance of it. Now, here's the, here's the whole point. Here, don't lose what I'm about to say. When it comes to stirring up your gifts, you must stir it up or else you are going to sink to the bottom. Did you catch what I said? You must stir up your talent or else you're going to sink to the bottom just like that orange juice sinks to the bottom and collects there. Nobody's goal ought to be to be at the bottom of society. Education is there to help you make something out of yourself. No one should get an education and desire to be the least on the totem pole at your job. You ought to want to be the best that you can be at whatever it is you're doing. If you don't stir it up, It'll all sink to the bottom and be unused, and you'll be weak on top, and that should be no one's goal. Young people, you've got a great privilege tomorrow. I know it stinks, and I wish that we could play and have summer and have fun. I remember when Adriana first went to school. She was in K-5. Adriana, you may not remember this, but after, she loved it the first day. She loved it. She was excited. After about three weeks, she came in with big old tears in her eyes. She said, Mama, I don't want to go to school today. Mom said, You don't? She said, No. She said, I just want to stay at home and eat tacos and watch movies. She called them tacos. <laughs> I just want to eat tacos and watch movies with you today. And we remember that. And Christy started laughing and said, Honey, you got to go to school. And she started crying as she walked out to the car. Listen, the fun goes away quick. The new friends, you seek out who's good looking and who's cute. And you know what we called pretty girls when I was in a Christian school? We called them visitors. We just didn't have any. I mean, first day of school, we'd look around. There were no pretty girls ever in any school I went to, but it was just the way it worked. But the reality is by, 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 by Wednesday, you've already pretty much scanned the room and you've realized that all the boys are just not really much there. The Valley of Dry Bones kind of what it's going to look like. And then all that's going to wear off, and then you're left with character. Character is doing what you're supposed to do because it's right to do. You need to be a character student. That's all i got to say. I'm doing my best to help you. Kids, you can't get around it. Can't go over it. Can't go under it. You've got to go through it. So go through it and enjoy it. These are some of the best days of your life. Some of the best friends you'll make in your entire life you'll make through school and education. Some of the best memories you'll spend the rest of your life thinking about. You'll meet those. You'll make those in the next couple of years. Don't hate it. Embrace it. Get the most out of it you may have a day that you wish you could get back in. When you're going to work and the boss doesn't care, and he doesn't get a note from your mom, and he doesn't care if you were sick and, and demands that you show up even when you've been up late the night before. You know what I'm trying to say? It's the way it is, man. Enjoy these days. They're great days. Dear Father, I come to you now Lord, I thank you for education, for wisdom, for knowledge, and for what it does for those that embrace it. Lord, I know I've been maybe a little lengthy tonight, but but Lord, the, I see kids all the time that just blow it. They just blow it. And I can't help the whole world, but I can help the kids that you've given to me. So, Lord, tonight I, I so much want to help our kids enjoy this thing called education. They, can't get, they, they can drop out. Certainly that's an option, but it's a bad option. It's a bad choice. They'll spend the rest of their life regretting that choice if they do it. But, Lord, if they'll apply themselves and they'll work hard and they'll do those little tips I gave them and and if they'll just get in it, and make some good friends. Make some good friends. Don't be a loner. Don't sit around by themselves. Don't get in a corner and weep and cry and be mad all day. There's, there's plenty of kids that are that way. Kids that stand up will end up standing out. And I pray that our kids at Orlando Baptist Temple can be standout kids. Stirring up the gift. Holding on to what they've been taught here at the church. And Lord, studying to show, thyself, show themselves approved. And Lord, I'd be a proud pastor. I believe with all my heart that that these are going to be the people we hand this church to one day. These young kids, Lord, they need to, they need to hold on to their faith because one day this is going to be theirs. One day it's going to be up to them who's the pastor here. It's going to be up to them the stands and the doctrines that are made. If they didn't hold on to anything, Lord, there's going to be no one there to make those decisions. Lord, I hope that they'll make the right decisions, and I hope that they'll be educated because one day they're going to be running our country. One day, they're going to be running the jobs. They're going to be running the government. They're going to be voting in the people who run the government. And Lord, sometimes I look at today's youth, and that's a frightening thought. But, Lord, it doesn't have to be. I pray that, that our kids will seek wisdom and knowledge and apply it to the Word of God and then apply it to their heart. We ask this in Jesus' name. Is there anyone that can say, preacher, I don't know that I'm saved, but I want to be. Would you pray for me? Anybody?